Hello and welcome back to another episode of Credal. Today I'm joined by my friend Mateus Bazo, who has recently moved to the U.S. from his home in Brazil. Uh, and he is the CEO of two companies that are really exciting, and I'm excited for you to learn more about them. I'm going to ask him to share in just a minute. Uh, but a little funny story here. Matheus and I were originally going to record this two weeks ago, and we, uh, it's, it's, I think we're going to record at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, my time. And uh, fi literally five minutes before that, uh, my wife tells me, hey, my water just broke. We're going to have this baby today. So I had to hop on very quickly and say, hey, Matthias, sorry, really, really sorry. Got to reschedule. We're going to go to the hospital. And so Matthias obviously uh, was very understanding and was like, yeah, go, go. Uh, we'll pray for you. So we go to the hospital. The baby's born, which is super exciting. And uh, we are here two weeks later to finally have this conversation. So Matthias, thanks for your understanding and welcome to Credal. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And let's see if another baby can be born this morning. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, the, uh, the gestational period is a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit longer than that. So there's no risk, yeah, yeah. no risk of it happening again. <laughs> um, well, Matthias, so let me just give you a very quick introduction and you can fill in all the gaps about your companies and what, what they do. Um, but I will say that I found Matthias originally, um, through my work at Hallow. My listeners know that I, I work there. And um, discovered Matthäus actually through like a cold LinkedIn reach out to um, one of Matthäus's um, partners and employees. Uh, and from there, Matthäus and I met up when he was here in the U.S. and we've become personal friends. Uh, but I have great admiration for what he's done with his, his companies in Brazil. One is called Minha Biblioteca Católica, which is my Catholic book club. And the other is called Lumine. Um, and they're both trying to engage Catholics with really beautiful, inspiring media. Uh, in the in the in one case, Minha Biblioteca Católica, trying to um, revive interest in great spiritual classics, uh, books that are hand designed and um, custom published, and then mailed out to to customers and members of the book club. And in the second case, Lumine, really reviving uh, interest in art and film. Uh, and Matthias and I have had many conversations about how we really need a revival uh, of art and of film specifically. And how so much of what passes as good film today is really just kitsch. It's either just crass entertainment or it's just um, it's just sort of boilerplate progressivism. And we need to chart a path between those between those things. So Matthias is doing that. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about the future of both of these companies and what he and his team can accomplish. And so I wanted to have him on today to talk about uh, some of the sort of animating ideas that led him to start these. And on top of that, the challenges of creating a Catholic company. What, what does he wish he could do differently? What does he hope to do, still do in the future? What's it like to try to shape a company that lives out the values of the gospel? So, um, I'll tell you, so I'm excited to talk, talk to you about all that stuff, but maybe we'll start here. Um, okay. I'll, I'll ask you to, to talk more about your companies in just a minute, but you have a personal sure, journey. Sure, sure, yeah. You have a personal journey that's very kind of bound up with the founding story of these two companies because you were not always a practicing Catholic. So can you share a little bit about your story? How is it that you became you, you became Catholic. You came to enter the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Sure, sure. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, very accurate. And yeah, my life, it's, uh, I didn't came from a um, Catholic family. So my family, they, they're not Catholic. I think my grand, grandparents, they were Catholic, but not, you know, they, not, they didn't went to mass and stuff. I didn't have any memory of them going to church. And my parents, they, they were more, they went to the evangelical church. So actually my, my brother is a kind of famous pastor in Brazil. So in my childhood, I was, I grown up in this evangelical movement, but after 
I, I entered my teenage years. I didn't went to church anymore. I, did, I didn't care about that anymore. And I just started to, you know, exploring art and things that, that were from my interest. And the thing is that I'm talking about, you know, Brazilian culture. So the, the environment that I was brought in and that I was uh, dealing with, it has a lot of, uh, you know, Marxist ideas, Marxist uh, and left-wing kind of thought. Because fortunately, a lot of Brazilian culture these days and back in, the, back in that day, it was a lot of this, uh, you know, kind of uh, this particular school of thought. There's a lot of Marxism going on and stuff. So I was like, you know, the young revolutionary guy that uses red hats and stuff. So I, I was I was this uh, caricature of the rebellious uh, teenager, you know. So and I, this was the, env the environment that I was brought in, and I had a I had a rock and roll band, all that all that <laughs> jazz, you know. Uh, <laughs> so this is this was the, the, the environment, and this was you know basically the environment that you will be brought to if you were a Brazilian in the nineties, in the twenties, in the in the two thousands. This is basically the, the, the environment. Uh, so uh, I, I ended up the, my school years, I, I tried to enter on uh, college and I was studying, I had my band and I, you know, I understood that, you know, if I want to make a career in terms of art, uh, it's going to be hard, you know, uh, I will not have, uh, probably I will not have much money and which is <laughs> it's a very marxist idea to think about money you know <laughs> yes indeed indeed so i was i was thinking uh, okay so w what i'm gonna do you know so then i decided I, I i was already working with design making design and learning to softwares that make design so i started to make this uh thing by my by my own so i decided okay let's try to work in this particular field in the design field and let's see what happens. And, you know, maybe I can start here, a career or something. And then I can move to art in the future if I want to. So this is this is a thing that people used to say. Designers are first, frustrated artists. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They couldn't make, right. could, couldn't be artists, so they, they want to be designers. Yeah. So this is basically what the, the, the idea in my head. So I started making designs and, and I started to work to a company. And I remember the first time, first time that uh, I received my first salary, I understood, okay, there's something wrong with the econ econom economic idea in Marxism. You know, there's a thing called salary that has a value and it's a personal value. So it would be very hard for uh, a government to regulate all the salaries. So I understand something that something was mathematical, mathematically wrong in that idea and i have some friends and this uh, in my in my in the company and they start to show me uh, different uh, thinkers and different people that explain what was wrong in in the left-wing ideology yeah sorry to go that specific but it was important for me you know? yeah yeah <laughs> this, this 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 particular thing so were these like were these the, the sort of classic austrian school economists or yeah you know, okay. yeah yeah, like Ludwig von Mises and yeah, yeah. those guys, you know? Yeah. So I started read those things and it was very fast because when I understood that the bottom line of Marxism was wrong, mm -hmm. 
I just decided, okay, this is wrong. I need to find the truth. There's something called truth. I'm not on it. I don't know what yeah. it is, yeah. but I need to find it. Was that, was that a, um, it was very fast. Was that a disconcerting feeling to, to uh, just realize that the truth is out there, but I have no idea what it is. I like, I have to, I have to find it because right now I'm sort of a, I don't know. Did you feel like a, a ship lost at sea without a rudder? Actually, I, I feel excited. Mm. I feel that it was a hunting, you know, there's yeah. a hunting, uh, I need to find it. And, 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 and it was very exciting to know, okay, so there's things to discover. There's an adventure to do, to be on it. So, and I, and I remember particularly uh, there's, there was a time that I was reading a, an article that describes, you know, there, there was an, an important thinker in that process. His name is Olavo de Carvalho. He's a Brazilian uh, philosopher. And there is one article called, <laughs> in English, it would be something like Imbecile Juvenile. Okay. Is the title of the article. Okay. And I was reading that article. Yeah. And I was reading that article and I felt that, okay, this guy, I, I'm naked. This guy is describing me. Yeah. This is me. An imbecile juvenile thinking that I know everything about the world and thinking that I can change the world, but I, I can barely love my parents. So yeah. was that, was the thesis of this so, piece sort of, um, how you know, the younger generation is a, a ship lost at sea that they don't realize that they stand on the shoulders of their their ancestors who came before them of a great intellectual tradition that came before them that they want to tear it all down because they think they know know better is, is that kind of what the piece is arguing yeah yeah it, it, it is this uh, there's this uh, there's a central uh, an idea in the center of the article which is i think is very very interesting he said uh young people teenagers they would do the most radical thing to be approved by a group of people that doesn't love him and they will do nothing to have approval for the people that love him which are is their, their parents yeah so imagine a punk guy you know a punk rocker guy he's gonna put a mohawk on his head dress all leather and all dirty and he will walk alone on the street and he, he do he changes everything about the way he think about about the way he dress just to impress and to be and to be suitable to a group of people that doesn't care about him, mm -hmm. but his parents that love him in general, I mean, uh, they love him. He's not going to do anything. He's, he's not going to respect people that love him and he will bow down to people that doesn't love him. So this is the, the, the basic idea in the article, which is, I think it's very interesting because it's a, it's a, it's unfair to act like that. And I felt that I felt that, Oh, I'm being unjust with my parents, with the people that love me, yeah. that love me. So that particular article, which it was like a stone on my head, you know, I felt, okay, <laughs> somebody threw a rock on my head. And when that happened, I really started to trying to find the truth. So I ended up finding some uh, Catholic friends uh, and they showed me uh, the first contact that I have with Catholic church. First contact, it was, I never, I, I before that, I never had um, a meeting personally with a priest. I never had, never met, met a priest in my life. Now this, this seems kind so of surprising because Brazil is such a Catholic country. And as we were just discussing before we hit the record button, there are churches everywhere. So how is, how is it the case that you had never met a priest or engaged with a priest before? Well, probably I met a priest, but he, he wasn't dressed like a priest and sure. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's it's just joke. Just it's a joke. Just to say that um, 
of course, we have a lot of churches, but that doesn't mean that the Catholic Church it's in society. Yes, you know? yes. So oh, that's so important to point out. They're yeah. more like, yeah, you have the buildings, but it doesn't mean that they're they're in society. Yeah. So and they're so that's why if you want to live as anything in Brazil and doesn't have any contact contact with the Catholic Church nowadays, it's possible you can you know. Uh, so the first contact that I have, a personal contact that I have with, with a priest, it was in an Opus Dei center in the city that uh, I was living, Porto Alegre, in, in south of Brazil. So it's the first time that I, okay, I'm in the same room with another guy and a priest, and he's talking to me. So it was the first impact that I have. Uh, and it was very interesting because I never thought that a priest could be an intellectual. Interesting, yeah. Which is a very... Very dumb idea because there's a lot of intellectuals that are, that are priests and are priests that are scientists. Yeah, so, I mean, for most of the Western so traditions, the, the intellectuals were the priests, you know. <laughs> exactly. So just for you to understand how alien, how uh, dumb I, I was right. about the Catholic Church. Uh, so it was a, a very uh, impactful uh, experience to, to talk to that priest. And after that, I, I, it was really fast because I, I don't want to waste my time. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I already have wasted all my teenage years in wrong ideas. I have this strong feeling that, oh, okay, I can't waste time. I need to find what is the truth. I, I can't waste any more year of my life uh, running around. So it was very fast. And there's, okay, so, so then I start to uh, this kind of process of understanding, okay, my family, they're evangelical, uh, but I'm seeing a lot of things in Catholicism. Where is the truth here? So then I, did, I start to talk to some priests and making my own research, reading some books, reading some stuff. And it was kind of the number of questions that I have, there were so many, and they were so well answered by the Catholic Church that for me, it was very easy to understand that if I have any future question about Catholicism, I, I will have the answer. I don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So... Uh, there was a, 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 a Catholic monk that I that I met a couple of years ago, and he said to me something very beautiful about his conversion that I think is related to mine. He said that he couldn't uh, use the term conversion. He needed he needed to use another term, which is uh, um, how do you say when you when you are in the battle and you and you, and you decided to surrender battle anymore. It's uh, surrender. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. Yeah. So it's not a conversion. It was a surrender because he was in battle with that. And then he, okay, I just need to surrender myself. This is the truth. And it was the same thing for me. Beautiful. I so many questions, so many uh, profound questions that were so uh, beautifully answered by the Catholic church and by the priests and by the intellectuals of the church that I, okay, I need to surrender to this uh, institution, which is the body of Christ. And I need to understand all my life again uh, from the bottom line uh, inside the Catholic Church. So I start to uh, reveal all the things that I believe, all the things that I did inside the church and reevaluate all my life inside the church. And it was a, an amazing rediscover of, of myself and of, of, of the truth that it's in the church. So, but I never... Um, uh, artistic uh, impulse never ended. So I was al always trying to do something, you know? So it was a matter of time for me to understand, okay, how can I fit 
in the church and also uh, realize my vocation, my vocation inside the church. Who am I inside of, of, of this institution, of this, of this place, of this holy place? So then this ideas of uh, being an entrepreneur and making companies and creating design inside the church and bringing new uh, design ideas, they kind of, they were like uh, brought into from time to time. And this is, this is basically in terms of my, my story with Catholicism, this is, this is basically it. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the quote from St. John Henry Newman, who said that um, 10,000 difficulties make not one doubt. And he was saying this in the context of him also asserting that I have not had a doubt about Catholicism. And then he follows it up by explaining, look, I'm not saying that I haven't had difficulties, but a doubt, you know, if, if we can use the analogy of a math test, when you're, when you're working on a complicated math problem, doubt would be thinking there is no solution to the problem, right? That the, the solution doesn't exist. A difficulty would be not knowing how to solve the problem. And so he says, of course, we have difficulties and it's very natural to do that, but, but doubt is something else entirely. And so what you, what you point about the surrender, uh, I think is a, is a good word because it, it acknowledges that, look, there, there isn't everything that we understand and we're not actually called to understand everything. And not only are we not called to, but we're ontologically incapable of understanding everything. We cannot, for example, fully comprehend the mystery of the most holy trinity. But what we can do, what we should do, what we are called to do is surrender to that. And we can use our reason to understand an awful lot about God, and we should do that. Uh, And we will find that many of our questions are answered. Uh, But it is also important to acknowledge that not not all the questions are for us to know. Uh, And because we cannot know something, or because we do not know something, does not... Uh, it does not. It, it does not logically entail that we should not believe that the answer exists at all. Um, the second thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. If you have a comment on that. No, sure. Yeah, this, it's it's the thing. It's Catholic Church uh, treats the world as an open place. So of course, it, 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 this is not a, a, a closed box. This is the world is not a work of art that it's ended, and then you can analyze it. It's an open place. So there's always new things, and this this doesn't this doesn't have to make us afraid. Yes, you know, it's all the things that, that are happening. It's always a new opportunity to find God in a new thing, because he he's in every, he's in everything. So this is something that I, I understood in the beginning that all that image that people make uh, about the Catholic Church as an a uh, closed society, a closed institution that is going to capture your brain. And, you know, they're all, you know, radical guys. And that, this is not truth. Uh, you know, it's, it's on the contrary. Yes. Catholics, uh, good Catholics tend to, tr- to, to treat the world as an open place with beautiful things to, to rediscover. So, yeah, this, this is very, very, very beautiful. So how many years ago was your conversion or your surrender? When did you become Catholic? Yeah, it was uh, 2012, more or less, so 10, 10, yeah. more than 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, little a little more than a decade. Yeah. My wife and I are about to hit our eight-year anniversary at the Easter Vigil, which is uh, which is pretty cool. I can't. I mean, it feels it feels so recent in some ways, and it feels like it feels like it's always been a part of my life in other ways. So, um, it's it's <laughs> it's exciting. Cer- certainly, the best decision we ever made. But. Um, Let's let's use that as a launching point to kind of talk about NBC and Lumine, your your two companies here. So you are of the conviction that the Catholic Church is true, that there is a whole world to be discovered, uh, that you're you're analyzing your life in light of what you now embrace in the church's teaching, 
and you still have this design gift, this, this pension for design, this love for design, for art, for making beautiful things. And then you get interested in entrepreneurship. And so you're presumably wondering, how do I help bring the riches of the Catholic tradition to the world? How do I, how do I make that happen? And you settle on um, your companies, NBC and Lumine. So, um, you know, talk me through that thought process and maybe along the way, describe in maybe more detailed terms than I did, what exactly NBC and Lumine are and ultimately what your vision is for them. What do you want to do with these, these companies? Sure. It wasn't a rational, I think it's important to say it wasn't a rational process, you know? Yeah. Oh, now I'm Catholic. So now I need to create designs. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Uh, and this is a problem because I see there's a, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of young, uh, people and they ask me how to find, uh, the meaning of our life, how to find, uh, your vocation, how to find uh, your career. And they usually treat this as a rational thing, you know, which you have to, Oh, I'm going to make a mathematical thing. And then I will discover, uh, the meaning of my life. And then I'm going to, enter in this way. And it's not like that. It wasn't like that for me. So actually I made some mistakes in that process, mm. which is, uh, when I enter, uh, in the church, I found that truth. I was a little ar arrogant and, and I, I, I'm kind of, uh, all the things that I knew about art, about, um, design and stuff, I, I kind of refused it. I said, okay, this is, it's not part of me anymore. I'm a new person. So I need to get rid of all these things and embrace a uh, stereotypical Catholic, uh, aesthetic. You know, my first uh, movement was this, Oh, I need to refuse my past and all the things that, that I know and embrace all those things. But during the process, I understood that, okay, no, no, no. I need to uh, embrace those two things. The, I need to bring both together. Uh, because those things that I did in the past in terms of art and, and, and creation, it, it was a good thing in terms of, uh, something, a calling that God gave to me. So there's a calling here. I can't refuse it. So I was expressing that calling, maybe not, not very, not a very good way, but the calling was good. Yeah. So I need to bring that to a new environment, to a new, a new spirit. So this is something that I started to do. And by a coincidence, I have some friends that wanted to create a company that was a subscription book club. It, it was a very simple idea uh, to make just a subscription book club. But when I get in touch with them, I said, okay, uh, if you're gonna do this, and, and they were inviting me to be part of it, I said, okay, if you're gonna do this, let's do something different. Let's create something unique. Let's bring new uh, ideas in terms of design for these books. You know, let's treat a book the way that the Catholic Church tre treated books along its history. So then I bring the I brought all these ideas and these design ideas, and we okay. Let's do this. Let's start this project. Let's let's start small. So. There really wasn't any idea of, oh, let's make a Catholic company. Oh, let's make a, a revolution. Let's make, no, no, no. The, the first idea is let's make a beautiful book. Let's make a beautiful product. And I think this uh, entered on our DNA on, on the first day, because even today, that's our first concern all the time. 
it's not marketing, it's not communication, it's not change the society, it's not changing the world. It's no, no, no. It's what is the thing that we're producing? What is the product? What's the quality of it? So then I, 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 I then then we started this by creating beautiful books. And it was this is this is a good because, this is a good segue or a good opportunity for me to just pause you and oh. and show this copy of a book that you gave oh, me yeah. as a gift. So this is an example of one of the one of the books designed by NBC. And if I'm not mistaken, you still oversee the actual design, don't you, Matthias? Of each book yeah, that you yeah, guys do. I still, um, so I this still is make a nightmare for the leftover designer. <laughs> right. So this is you can see the gold foil there kind of shimmering in the light. I mean, this is beautiful and really intricate designs. Um, sketches on the back. Um, you would know that the technical design yeah. terms better than I, Matthias, but it looks amazing. Uh, the binding is really quality yeah. as I hold it. Um, and even like the open, the, the, the leaf here, I mean, just beautiful artwork throughout, um, more designs here and the inside covers on the copyright pages. This particular, this particular book is, um, St. John Paul II's theology of the body, uh, obviously in Portuguese, because that's the language in which, uh, NBC's books are published as of today. Um, but it's beautiful. And uh, I was really impressed when you first handed me this physical copy, Matthias. And I was like, man, you guys are you guys are making beautiful things here. And I think it's so important to have that, have that mindset that, you know, we, we make beautiful things because beautiful things are worth making because beautiful things are a reflection of our capacity to create because we are made in the image of God. And they're a reflection of a God who ordered the universe in such a way as to make it beautiful. Uh, and when we make beautiful things, it helps us to understand the God who created beautiful things in the first place. So I really appreciate that initiative of NBC, uh, the priority, the first priority, like, you know, doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, right? But like, we're not going to, the, the first goal is not to maximize subscribers. The first goal is not to you know, maximize revenue. The first goal is to make beautiful things. And if we get that right, yeah. other things follow from it. I really, I really appreciate that mindset. Yeah, because even, even from a la lazy perspective, <laughs> it's more smart to put your energy in a good product and then the communications and marketing will get along then to force it along and then you don't have a good product and then you have to restructure and then you know so even from a lazy perspective let's do less work it's more smart to make a good a good product and more faster you're gonna you're gonna grow in a more uh, reliable way doing this uh, and also, there's a, of course, there's a, there's a business philosophy in that, but there, there's also a, a, a philosophical, a real, real philosophical uh, uh, principle in, in, on this. I, I believe we talk about this in in one of our conversations, which is uh, that there's a document of the church called Via Pucritudinis, where they they say that uh, the beauty is something that opens people's heart to the truth and to the goodness by itself. So if you make something beautiful you're going to impact the life of the people that are, will be related to it. You're going to impact their life with order, with something that it has proportions. So in the world that we live today, it's really hard to discuss about the truth. It's really hard to, sometimes it's hard to, for people to understand that there is a truth. There's something called true and you can't discover it. It's really hard. Sometimes you, you enter in very, very strong arguing with people about this simple thing. Oh, there's, a, there's something called truth. Okay, you, we, don't, we, we don't even have to agree which, which truth it is, but there's something, name it truth. People will, it's going to be really hard to, for people to understand that. And also, 
in terms of goodness, uh, in terms of moral values, it's even harder. I mean, to, to talk to someone nowadays and say, okay, there's acts that are good and there are acts that are not good. People will argue about this as well. But with beauty, it's different. If you, sh if you show something beautiful, if you show a cathedral, you're not going to argue. It's, it's just there. And it's beautiful. You, you need to recognize this. And, 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 and when you do it, you open people's heart to proportions and to order that will create an environment where truth and goodness can, can, can find a way. So by contrast, people will say, okay, there's something called, there, there's something that is, there, some things are beautiful, some things are not beautiful. Okay, if this hierarchy exists in other parts of my life, in my acts or in the things that I believe. So there's a, there's really a responsibility here in making beautiful things. Every time that we make something that has the right proportions, we're open people's hearts to other proportions. And this will end up probably in them fighting God because God is perfect. So our commitment to create beautiful things is a, it's a commitment to open people's hearts to God. So, and of course, we are doing this in a company matter, inside of a company, creating books. And also creating books is just an excuse because we can't create churches now because we don't have that, that much money. But <laughs> so we, we, we kind of we kinda fool around and we say, okay, if we, if we treat book covers as church facades, <laughs> the book that you have here, Theology of the Body, if you look at it, it's kind of it's like a facade, you know? Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's the joke, you know? If we can create churches, let's start creating books. I love it though. I mean, you're right. You have to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so I, like, like this, this idea of this idea of sort yeah. of generating a common aesthetic understanding or a common aesthetic vocabulary even is a powerful one. The aesthetic argument for the existence of God, people, many people don't know about people think about like, oh yeah, Aristotle's first cause argument, uh, Aquinas's five ways. They don't really think about the aesthetic argument for this, for the existence of God, but it's a powerful one. And, you know, among other things, it rests on this idea that, um, aesthetic, beauty does not provide some sort of evolutionary advantage, right? There's not a reason why aesthetic aesthetics and beauty should have evolved, um, in a, uh, in a dog eat dog world. So the existence of beauty, the, the existence, as you said, of perfect proportions, um, is some, in, in some respect, a, an argument an evidence for, uh, someone who is beautiful, someone who is perhaps beauty, beauty itself. And so I like it. I like that yeah, you just yeah. so prioritize this and help people understand like there is beauty and it does exist. Because it's in short supply today. I mean, I, I have seen new churches in Brazil, for example. And, but if you see new churches here in America, since you've recently moved here, Matthias, you know, like any church that has been built, there's, there's actually a resurgence in the past 20 years where churches are kind of coming back full circle. But between the 1960s and the year 2000, really, really rough year for church architecture, especially in the Catholic church in the US. Um, and these, these, these either looked like brutalist facades or just um, like modernist, eclectic, uh, cacophonies that don't have any any resemblance to the towering cathedrals of yesteryear and so helping people recover this idea of beauty is super important in helping them understand more about the nature of god yeah yeah there's a good book about this movement uh, called ugly as sin from michael rose 
and he he explains what happens in 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 the catholic churches in the catholic church architecture especially in the us but it's all over the place it's the same thing in brazil it's the same process everywhere and it's it's really hard because it's not that for making a beautiful thing you need to work more or that it's more expensive sometimes it's the opposite sometimes to make something simple and beautiful it's easier and less expensive than to make something you know brutalist and different so it's uh yeah we need to recover this 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 idea and we started this in in a, in a company matter so and to be honest it was overwhelming to see that okay people understand that and people want that uh, i was i was i was listening to a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, from jordan peterson uh, where he was explaining that it's almost impossible to make a valuation of beautiful art objects i mean how are you going to make a valuation of Mona Lisa? Of course, there is a value, okay? There's a couple million dollars. I don't know how much it is. But it fluctuates in... It, it doesn't fluctuate in, 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 in history. So it's something so reliable. The value is so significant that you could use it as an investment. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can use it something as an, as an investment because it, it will never cease to have value. It's like it, it it almost has eternal value in that thing. In that thing, so when we create this these books, of course, I'm not comparing my books to Mona Lisa, please. But when we create these things, the value was so intrinsical that everybody recognized it. That's why in our first month, when we launched our book club, so it's a subscription book book club. Just to explain, you subscribe and then you receive every month a book in your house, beautiful box. There's a hardcover book. There's another materials that you can read that will help you to enter on, on the book and to know more about the story of that saint or that devotion, etc. So it's an, really an experience of the Catholic literature. It's not only a book. There's more things and you receive in a beautiful box. It's, it's, a, it's quite an experience. So a lot of people even record and make videos of them receiving the box and in their house and unboxing and stuff. It's very nice. Very, it's a very beautiful community that we, we build around the books. So in our first month, it was January 2018. Uh, in the first month, we sold out. So, okay, everybody wanted. And to be honest, we didn't spend much money marketing and influencers and stuff. No, 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 no. We, we kind of just put it on the internet. Oh, this is the thing that we're doing. If you like it, buy it. And it was sold out. Amazing. Wow. And second month, yeah, second month, same thing, sold out. So the third month we were going to say, okay, so net, that's not going to be done. Let's make a lot of a lot more. So we got sold out, and we keep on that track and creating different experience every month. And by the end of the this, the first year, we have ten thousand active subscribers. That's, in our first that's just year. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And we really didn't have a plan for that. It was something that happens kind of organically, and. It was amazing to see. And second year, same thing. We, we keep growing. And third year, same thing. And the thing is, I really have a doubt about what was the thing that was uh, making this company successful in that term. And sometimes I thought, okay, it's the design, maybe. Uh, it's the art. It's the way we communicate. Because there was another thing. We, we create beautiful videos 
of the of the books. So that helped a lot, especially in the first year. So our communication was beautiful as well. So I w- always thought with myself, what is the main thing that make this su- successful? What is the reason for the for the success? And then I was talking to um, to a priest. I mean, he was not a priest at that time, but uh, and one day about about our company. And this guy told me something that I never, never forgot. He, he told me something. He was telling me, okay, you know why you have so many subscribers? Why subscribers? Do you know why? Why do you have so many people? Because the heart of Catholics is still good. People want good things. Deep, deep inside, the heart of people is good. And when he told me that, I, know, I understand, okay, so we need to do more. We need to do more because the heart of people is good and people are, are thirsty for good things and they want more of that. And then we decided to not, it was not like a consequential, but inside of this, these decisions that we were making, we, okay, let's start Lumini. Let's start a new thing, a new project, which is our streaming platform. It's a platform for movies and for series. And we bought, we buy uh, content. So we bought a lot of content that you can watch with your, with your family, but we also produce content. Same thing that we did with the books. Okay. Let's create beautiful books. Now we're doing with documentaries and movies. Okay. Let's create beautiful content and kind of the same thing. I mean, when we started a lot of people engaging in the platform and being part of the platform, and now we are really investing in original uh, movies. But there's there's a different thing with Lumini because when we say, okay, we're, we're a Catholic uh, streaming platform. I, I'm advancing with Lumini, okay? I don't know if you want to make any, any question before, but uh, when we talk about, okay, it's a streaming platform for Catholics, people tend to think, oh, it's a faith-based content, right? And I said, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yes and, and no. Because we have faith-based content, right. we have movies about saints, about the Catholic Church, but we also have content that it's beautiful, beautiful in itself, it, and it doesn't talk about Catholicism and doesn't talk about the saints. Also, we have a, a lot of c- c- classics. You know, we have Hitchcock movies, we have Akira Kurosawa movies, we have Andrei Tarkovsky movies. We have movies that promote a beautiful aesthetic, aesthetic experience. Experience. And doesn't hurt Catholic values, of course. So you can watch with your family. There's no problem in, in watching it. So this way, we understand ourselves uh, as a cathedral. We use the, the, this expression. Uh, there's a lot of companies that need to create a persona for the brand. You know, there's this strategy of creating a persona for the brand. So oh, our brand is like a, a student. Our brand is like a, a mom. Our brand is like, a, you know, a, a, uh, father, uh, you know, they try to create this persona to communicate with its audience. Our persona is kind of co- it's kind of a concept. Our persona is a cathedral. Why a cathedral? Because when you go to a cathedral in Rome, in France, in Germany, whatever, you will find there uh, Catholics praying and having mass and praying the rosary. But you will also find people from all over the world. Uh, from other religions, from other places, and they will be there recognizing the universal value of that building, of that place. So a cathedral has 
Catholic DNA, but universal value. So these two things is very important to us. Catholic DNA, our, our principles are Catholic, but we want to create something that has universal value as well. So these are the two principles for Lumini, also for, for the Catholic library. But for Lumini, it's our main concern, something that has Catholic DNA and universal value. Yeah, and, and, and then you we certainly, started this you, you'll, find no, you'll find no argument for me on that. And, and you know, you probably remember from when we chatted in California, Matthias, that we were kind of commiserating over this, that people often like, the, like I want to make Christian art. I want to make Christian films. I want to write Christian books. And I think that's the wrong approach. There, there's certainly a, there's certainly a reason that you might want to write a Christian book that's for Christians to dive deeper into their formation, et cetera. But if you want to write Christian novels, I don't even know what a Christian novel is. Um, you know, if you're a Christian and you're writing a novel, that novel should reflect the true, the good, and the beautiful. If it reflects the true and the good and the beautiful, it's going to point to God. So by virtue of doing that, it is pointing to God. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be about a you know, deeply Christian character who's becoming more deeply Christian. It can be about someone who's a total atheist who just gets one step closer to God at the end of the story, for example, or who gets even further and further away from God and suffers the sort of the consequences from it through the story. Um, and that can be true and good and beautiful. And the same thing with, with filmmaking. You know, I look at any of my favorite filmmakers. Um, I don't even know if they're personal professing Christians, but they're doing something and showing truth, goodness, and beauty in their films. And that's why I love their films. And their films bring us closer to God in doing that. So I think, in general, the, the Christian and the Catholic world need a, a, a shift in perspective on these things. We need to stop trying to make Christian music. We need to stop. I mean, sacred music is something different. That's for liturgical purposes. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. different. Yeah. But we need to stop. Like In the U.S., I don't know about Brazil, in the U.S., Christian radio is a big deal, right? And there's a like contemporary Christian music as its own genre. It's just the wrong approach. We should just make good music that reflects the truth, the good, and the beautiful. And, and that, will, that will be Christian in and of itself because it will point to God. 100% I agree with you. You know, you have a, a really beautiful example here in the U.S., which is uh, Flannery O'Connor. I mean- I love Flannery, she's yeah. She's Catholic? Yeah, and you know, if you read uh, uh, Good Man is Hard to Find, man, that, that's, it's, she's representing pure evil in that, in that, in that story. So it's just pure evil uh, in front of you. And it's, and she's Catholic. So, it, it, oh, so the bad guy converted and became a monk. No, 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 no. He's bad. And he's just bad. And this is what it is. You know, there's, there are people, they're bad. Exactly right. There, there, there's something called evil. <laughs> he's, he's, he's going to try to hurt you yep. and interfere in your life. So, uh, and this is, I think there's a, a bunch of uh, intellectuals and writers, especially in the, in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, Chesterton is another one. Tolkien, I mean, Tolkien, come on, Lord of the Rings. It's it has universal value. Tolkien is a profound Catholic uh, writer, and so I think we need to reconnect with this this approach with with Catholicism, and especially we as Catholics, because we are universal. I mean, Dante is Catholic, and he is. I don't know. He probably wrote the most important book of the history of books in terms of, of, of romance, in terms of novels. Sorry. Uh, so Dante is Catholic and his book is it's one of the most important. So I, I think that especially, to be honest, especially here in the U.S., tend to, as, as my first uh, perspective, but Catholics tend to treat their religion as a sect. So we are one of the 
religions. We are one of the faces of Christianity, and we are not. We are we are the truth. And come on, <laughs> so we are a universal uh, uh, religion. Catholicism means being universal. So uh, I need to. We need to embrace that and understand that and work towards that. So we cannot treat our uh, religion as a sect, as oh, we are one uh, one amongst uh, others. No, 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 no. And we need to create something that has value for all, for, for everybody. So th there's a beautiful story about a Brazilian saint. He's not Brazilian. He, he's Spanish, but he was he, he, he went to Brazil and then he's he was canonized uh, in Brazil and he's famous in Brazil. Uh, it's uh, São uh, José de Anchieta, Saint Joseph of Anchieta. He was the saint that catechizes Brazil, catechizes Brazil. So he's he teaches everybody, you know, in the uh, 16th uh, century. So, and there's a beautiful story because he 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 created a relationship with the Indian tribes from Brazil, and he get along with them, and he lived with them, and he learned their language. It's uh, Tupi Guarani, uh, the language. Uh, and he learned their language and he started to create a place for them and poems for them in their language. They can understand with their language that there was something beyond yeah. their tribe and beautiful. beyond the particular religion. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So, and he did this in a, in a very committed way where he, he even, get the he, he created a vocabulary for the Tupi Guarani. So this Indian this tribal language today, Tupi Guarani, only exists today because this saint uh created the vocabulary, he 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 created everything, the dictionary. So he saved their language and used their language to bring God to them. So I think this is basically what this is an inspiration for us. Yeah. We we even have a book about about him. So we need to understand the language of the other tribes, of the other people, of the other uh, countries, and we need to get along with them. We need to, to have a relationship with them. We need to understand them. We need to understand their struggle, the, the, their suffering. And then, starting with their language, we need to show a new thing. We need to show the message of God. So this is kind of the inspiration for, for us in terms of movies, in terms of art, in terms of culture. It's to, okay, let's understand their, this new language. Let's appropriate them. <laughs> let's appropriate them of that language. Right. And right. let's create something new. Yeah. Yeah. The best kind of cultural appropriation, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I know we're I know we're almost out of time with this, but this is just fascinating stuff. I have two final questions for you. Um, the one the first one is what's the future of NBC Luminae? You've obviously moved to the US recently, so you know, you're you're thinking beyond the bounds of of Brazil presumably, and it's an exciting idea to think that people in America could start having access to some of these things like my Catholic book club and Luminae for listeners in Brazil. I also would love, love to, uh, yeah, I'll include a link in the show notes, but if you are in Brazil and you want to sign up for one of these or both of them, you know, please do, uh, you could take advantage of them now since you're in Brazil, but what's the future of these Matthias? What do you think? What do you think, you know, NBC and Luminae look like say five years from now? Uh, and then the, the final question, more of a fun one here, but since you are such a fan of, um, film and arts, uh, and the arts, what is your favorite film or, or maybe, maybe just one that you'd recommend listeners to, to really watch because you've been, it's, it's spoken to you recently. Okay. So yeah, uh, our future, I mean, 
we are Catholic, so we understand that we have uni- universal opportunities. So, of course, being in, being international and having an international service uh, to all ca- Catholics and to all people, because to be honest, there's a lot of people that subscribe to Lumini. They're not Catholic or yeah. they're, they're not even Christian. Sure. Uh, anyway, we, we understand that we can be outside of Brazil. And of course, I'm here in the U.S. and we see a lot of opportunity here. And I'm talking to some people. I'm understanding that. But... We are in phase one. So the thing that I, that, that I told about St. Joseph Anchieta, that he lived uh, with the other people, that's what I'm doing here. So I want to live here in the U.S. to understand uh, what's happening with ca- Catholics in, in America, uh, what are their struggle, uh, what are their suffering, what, what they're facing. And I want to live with you and I need to understand uh, what you guys are, are doing and all, all that you're struggling and to see if, okay, what's our way to approach the, this environment and this new culture. So living here and having a relationship with people and knowing everybody, knowing people and uh, understanding their struggle, this is our first goal. And with that, understand okay we have an opportunity here 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 there's here's a problem that maybe we can try to solve yeah here's something that people struggle here and then we can present something good for them to 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 solve this so we are like in, it's not even stage one i think it's stage uh, minus one or stage <laughs> stage zero yeah, yeah. Of, of our plan and but it's been very good i mean it's i think we're i i'm here we arrive here in on february on first uh, first day of february and I already know a lot of people here. I have have, have conversations with, with a lot of people. Everybody's treating me very well, treating your family very well. So it's been very beautiful to to get in touch with all these people. And so, yeah, we are in this plan of international expansion, starting here in the U.S., figuring out a way to, to do this because we don't want to, okay, we have a book club in Brazil, we have a stream platform in Brazil, let's do this in the U.S. No, no, right. no, no, no. Okay, let's understand how to do this how is our approach? I mean, even in a, in a design term, our design, as you 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 show it, it's kind of baroque because yes. you know in Brazil we have a baroque culture. I don't know if this is a design from the U.S. I don't know if this is the approach. Maybe it is because it's different. I don't know. Uh, so even that we are we are we are discussing. So yeah. this is our, our plan for now, and this is what we're doing, starting in the U.S. And that's where I'm here for. I'm here. Uh, I probably we're gonna probably make this discussions this year and probably next year we'll have something ready to to ready to roll beautiful so probably next year something (laughs) yeah stay tuned yeah and that that's it so oh and and favorite movie right yes that's right oh oh yeah yeah there's a there's a good movie that i was watching a couple days ago uh it's not a christian or religious movie it's not even on lumine I, i wish i could uh uh, but I was not watching this on Lumini. But it's from um, a director that I really like, uh, Werner Herzog, and he has a movie, a documentary on Netflix called "Into the Inferno," where he presents uh, the life, uh, the life, not, not the life, but um, he shows volcanoes around the world and how volcanoes represent not only. Volcanoes are not only something from nature. There's a spiritual meaning in volcanoes. Interesting. And he dwells on that idea. Wow. He dwells on that idea. He's not Christian. Actually, Werner Herzog really liked uh, Pope Benedict XVI. So mm. he, he liked him. 
yeah, there's an interview where he talks about him, but he's not like he has he's not Christian. Yeah, but he dwells in that idea of uh, something uh, on nature that has a spiritual meaning, and I find that I find that very intriguing because uh, this is something that that we, we we I think we should approach as well. Uh, documentaries about nature are something very very interesting. The Catholics should do this. Uh, so yeah, Into the Inferno from Werner Herzog. It's on Netflix. I recommend that. And if I want to recommend something from 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 Lumini, I, it's my the movie that I that I really like. It's my favorite movie, to be honest. It's uh, Citizen Kane. Yes, nice. Uh, it's a classic. Yes, it's a classic. Come on. In the U.S., you can't watch on Lumini because Lumini is not available in the U.S. unless you use VPN. So if you use VPN, maybe you can watch it. Uh, so we have Citizen Kane uh, on Lumini, and it's my favorite movie. Also, a very beautiful story, very very moving story, and that you know presents as a, a, someone having his heart being changed by by the decisions that he make in his life. So it's a it's a beautiful story. It's a classic. I mean, I think almost everybody already watched this movie in the U.S. probably, but you know, <laughs> it's a it's a popular one, but it's older. So I think you'd be surprised at how many people um, have not seen it. And yeah, it's it's a good recommendation yeah. though. People should definitely go go check it out. Um, Matthias, we're out of time, unfortunately, but, uh, this was fantastic. I'm really glad we could do it. Uh, thank you once again for your forbearance and having to reschedule when we had the birth of our birth of our son. Um, (laughs) no, this is great. I, uh, I mean, as you know, I'm a big fan of big fan of your work. Uh, super excited about, uh, you guys potentially coming to the U S now glad that, uh, we can welcome you as a, uh, fellow resident of our, our United States here as well. So a big welcome to America, um, from me. Uh, and to my listeners, uh, the if you want to check these out online, again, only in Brazil right now for the book club and for Lumine, unless you use a VPN. Um, but the website's bibliotecacatolica.com.br and lumine.tv. And I'm going to put those links in the show notes as well, just to make it super easy uh, in case you are unclear on the, on the um, Portuguese spelling, which would be very understandable if that were the case. Um, but yeah, NBC, My Catholic Book Club, and, uh, and Lumine. Really great companies. Um, Matthias is a, has become a good friend of mine. I have a lot of respect for what you're doing out there, Matthias. So keep up the good work, and let's bring more and more people uh, in into the church by way of beauty. So, all right, to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, I'll be back next week with yet another. Uh, really appreciate your time here. Go check out uh, Matthias's work, and until next time, God bless you. <laughs>